Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, France bans the dangerous practice of conversion therapy. Florida Republicans are pushing legislation being called the Don't Say Gay Bill. Ellen DeGeneres got more bad news, and out Olympic medalist Adam Rippon got married on New Year's Eve. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Before I get to the latest LGBTQ news, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who listen in here at The Randy Report. While the past two years have caused me to spread my episodes out a bit, I so appreciate that during this time, the listenership for The Randy Report continues to grow by hundreds every month, and that's without any advertising on my part, and I really appreciate that. And speaking of advertising, you may have noticed that I don't have any ads here on The Randy Report. It's not because I haven't been offered to sign up for some advertising company, but I didn't start the podcast to make money, but rather more as a community service for folks who don't have time to sit around and read the news for hours every day. I've always been a curious person, which led me to all of this, and I'm glad to see there are lots of people out there who are just as curious about LGBTQ news as I am. While I don't know your names, I can see from my podcast analytics there are listeners all over the United States and the world, from Abilene, Kansas and Austin, Texas, to Gross Point, Michigan, Sacramento, California, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, plus all you folks in the Netherlands, Italy, Australia, Denmark, and more. I just wanted to say thank you for being a part of the Randy Report. It's much more fun when you're here. And now, on to the news. Lawmakers in France have approved a new law banning the dangerous practice of conversion therapy, which attempts to change the sexual orientation or gender identity of LGBTQ people. The new law was approved unanimously by the National Assembly by a vote of 142 to 0 this week. The French government's Equalities and Diversity Minister, Elizabeth Moreno, described so-called conversion therapies as barbaric, and rightfully so. And she told lawmakers that the suffering they inflict very often leaves permanent marks on bodies and minds. Under the new law, sustained efforts that, quote, aim to modify or reprimand sexual orientation or gender identity and which impact the physical or mental health of victims are punishable by up to two years in jail and 30,000 euros, which comes out to about $34,000 here in the U.S., the punishment can increase to three years in prison and fines of 45,000 euros or about $50,000 for attempts involving minors or particularly vulnerable people. The new law will take effect upon President Emmanuel Macron's signature. A 
a Florida State House committee has approved House Bill 1557, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill, which would prohibit any references to sexual orientation or gender identity in classroom discussions. Additionally, the legislation includes broad language regarding, quote, notifying a student's parent if there is a change related to the student's mental, emotional, or physical health or well-being. LGBTQ advocates say the vague wording could require teachers or school staff to out students to their parents. The message appears to be that LGBTQ students can't openly be who they are, and those with same-sex parents shouldn't be able to mention their family at school. Following the approval by the House Education and Employment Committee along party lines, the bill now advances to the full House. Republicans currently control both chambers of the state legislature. Chastin Buttigieg, husband to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and an educator himself, took to Twitter to condemn the legislation, saying it would make Florida, quote, a harder place for LGBTQ kids to survive in. John Harris Maurer, Public Policy Director for Equality Florida, spoke out against the bill saying conversations about LGBTQ people aren't something dangerous that should be banned. That's deeply prejudicial and sends a terrible message to our young people, including LGBTQ young people or young people who have LGBTQ parents. Here's just a bit of his statement in front of the House committee. But what we do know is that LGBTQ people are a normal, healthy part of our society. We're parents, students, and teachers. We are your brothers and your sisters. Conversations about us aren't something dangerous that should be banned. That's deeply prejudicial, and it sends a terrible message to our young people, including LGBTQ young people or young people who have LGBTQ parents. There are a lot of issues that ought to be approached with care in how we respectfully talk about them with our children. Issues like religion, politics, weighty issues like death, the meaning of life. But this bill doesn't speak to any of those. It's only talking about sexual sexual orientation and gender identity. And it's stigmatizing because of that. Sexual orientation and gender identity are about who we love and who we are. If you're worried about teaching students about sexual activities, then regulate that. But don't use this as a front to ban discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity. We already have statutes on age-appropriate sexual education, so this bill adds nothing to that. It's about finding a place to erase our existence and be able to not talk about us. Sam Ames, Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs at the Trevor Project, told the Washington Blade their research has found that LGBTQ youth who learned about LGBTQ issues or people in classes at school had 23% lower odds of reporting a suicide attempt in the past year. Addressing HB 1557 directly, Ames added, this bill will erase young LGBTQ students across Florida, forcing many back into the closet by policing their identity and silencing important discussions about the issues they face. Gay rights activist Jim Obergefell, who became a gay icon as the lead plaintiff in the landmark 2015 Supreme Court case that made marriage equality the law of the land, 
Obergefeld v. Hodges, is running for a seat in the Ohio House. You may recall that in July 2013, Obergefell married John Arthur, who was gravely ill. Because Ohio at the time didn't allow same-sex unions, the couple flew from their home in Cincinnati to Maryland to exchange vows. Sadly, Arthur died three months later, and Obergefell sued to be listed on the death certificate as Arthur's husband. That case was among multiple cases involving dozens of plaintiffs argued together, but Jim Obergefell was the lead plaintiff, meaning the case bore his name. Obergefell moved back to his hometown of Sandusky, Ohio in 2021, putting him in the 89th House District, currently held by Republican D.J. Swearingen. Obergefell said in a video posted to Twitter, I'm Jim Obergefell. I'm running for state representative because you deserve someone who will fight for Erie and Ottawa County residents. I took a history-making fight for equal rights all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and won. I don't mind being the underdog, and I'm not afraid to take on any issue when it's the right thing to do. I will bring that same fighting spirit as your state representative. Given his national profile, Obergefell is well-positioned to gain attention and raise serious money for his campaign. Should he win the seat, Jim Obergefell would be one of only a handful of out politicians to serve in Ohio's General Assembly. The Borough Council of Chambersburg, located in central Pennsylvania, has become the first municipality to repeal its LGBTQ protections policy. The ordinance was just passed back in October by a then-Democratic majority council. But following the recent November elections, Republicans took control of the council, and clearly, LGBTQ people are an early target. The ordinance banned discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and ethnicity, and it covered employment, housing, and public accommodations. Chambersburg, a town of about 20,000 people in south-central Pennsylvania, was the 70th and most recent municipality in the state to enact such a law. Republican leaders cited several reasons for scrapping the non-discrimination ordinance, including what they called redundancy in the ordinance and lack of muscle in its provisions. According to local TV station WHTM, nearly 160 people attended the council meeting via Zoom, and another 60 people showed up in person. WHTM reports that out of those 60 people who spoke, only five or six supported the repeal. Following the discussion, the ordinance was rescinded by a vote of 7 to 3. Pennsylvania is one of 27 states that have no explicit statewide laws protecting people from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity in the arenas of employment, housing, and public accommodations. Which means we still have a lot of work to do, folks. A lesbian couple was found murdered with their dismembered remains stuffed into trash bags in the border town of Juarez, located just across the U.S.-Mexico border near El Paso. The victims were identified as El Paso residents Julissa Ramirez and Nohemi Medina Martinez. The women, both 28, married in 2021 and were parents to three children, according to the Daily Mail. The bags containing their bodies were found about 17 miles apart from each other last week. 
Carla Avizo, president of the Chihuahua Sexual Diversity Committee, told the publication Presentes that certain elements, including sexual assault, suggested that the incident was fueled by homophobia, which is apparently not uncommon in the area. However, there are no hate crime statutes regarding violence based on sexual orientation on the books. The couple were Mexican citizens but living in Texas. They were reportedly visiting family members in Juarez. Two suspects have been arrested in connection with the murders, a 25-year-old woman and a 24-year-old man. Authorities say the two suspects contacted the couple on January 15th. They brought them over to their house in San Isidro, and it's there that authorities believe the deaths of the two women took place. According to a statement, local police were granted a search warrant for the home. There they found, quote, sufficient evidence that the double crime was committed. Since the beginning of 2022, 11 women and more than 50 men have been killed in Juarez. Out Olympic figure skater Adam Ripon and longtime Bo UC Pekka Hiala normally aren't big on New Year's celebrations at the up-all-night party, bottles of bubbles, and fireworks level. But it turns out they are big on getting married on December 31st. Ripon announced the engagement last February, but didn't share any plans regarding the nuptials at the time. This past week, he told People magazine, we always wanted to do something and just the two of us. So they reached out to California marriage officiant Maria and asked, when is her next availability for a wedding? And apparently, she had a free appointment that day. According to Rapon, he said, listen, Maria, we're on our way. We're going to be there for the one o'clock appointment in Encino, California, the happiest place on earth. Yussi added that the date worked for the couple because New Year's Eve is not a big thing for them. Adding, we're in bed like at 10.30. So then we decided that, oh, well, maybe going to use this day for something special like this, now will have a great meaning for the day. When it comes to the wedding rings, Rapon explained that they are not the same because he wanted diamonds. Why? Because I wanted it to glisten. Kahala's band, on the other hand, is thicker with a line carved through the middle. As Adam joked, he didn't want diamonds in his. This was the Great Divide. And, true to form, the Olympic medalist confirmed we were in bed by 10.30. But we got home and got right to champagne immediately. No excuses. Winners don't quit champagne. You can read more about the couple's big day at people.com. I have to add, in 2019, I had great fun interviewing Adam about his terrific memoir, Beautiful on the Outside here on The Randy Report. He was much fun, totally charming, and I wish the newlyweds every happiness. Uh Uh-oh, more bad news for Ellen DeGeneres. NBC has announced her primetime game show, Ellen's Game of Games, will not be returning. The unscripted series served up supersized versions of some of the popular games from Ellen's afternoon talk show. Launched in 2017 with eight episodes, the show ran for four seasons. The final season premiered in October 2020 and ran through May 2021. Initially, the family-friendly format performed well for NBC. In 2019, Game of Games was the top game show in primetime. But according to Deadline, the show lost a large portion of its audience. 
it would be hard to imagine the cancellation doesn't have something to do with the bad press that's been bleeding out over at the Ellen DeGeneres show. Following a string of reports about a toxic workplace on the show last spring and summer, plus an internal investigation by Warner Brothers, the Ellen DeGeneres show made a number of behind-the-scenes changes last fall, including ousting longtime executive producers and DeGeneres apologized to her staff. Following a rocky 2021 season, which saw ratings fall 40% from the previous year, the afternoon talk show announced that the 2022 season would be the series' 19th and final installment. Amy Schneider's amazing run on Jeopardy! came to an end this week, closing out her incredible 40 consecutive wins on the long-running game show. Schneider is the top female contestant in the show's 38-year history. In the end, it was Roan Talsma, a queer librarian from Chicago, who was able to unseat the first transgender competitor to qualify for the Tournament of Champions. It's really been an honor. I mean, just to really know that, like, I'm, you know, one of the most successful people at a, a game I've loved since I was a kid, wanted to be on since I was a kid. And just to know that I'm I'm part of its history now, I just, I don't even know how to process it. The Washington Post reports her streak led to a bump in ratings. Earlier this month, Jeopardy! was the most watched non-football program on TV, according to Nielsen. As the celebratory video from Jeopardy! notes, Schneider's track record across 40 consecutive wins includes 85% runaway games, 95% correct answers, and winnings of $1,382,800. Schneider told George Stephanopoulos during an interview for Good Morning America, I think the best part for me has been being on TV as my true self expressing myself and representing the entire community of trans people. Just kind of showing a different thing than maybe some people have seen. Of just being a smart, confident woman and just doing something super normal like being on Jeopardy. We haven't seen the last of Schneider, though, because last November she became the first trans person to ever qualify for the Tournament of Champions, where the top 15 earning players of the season compete. What to watch this weekend? Check out the award-winning Western short film, Steam, which just premiered on LGBTQ streaming network Reverie. The modern-day musical adventure short follows Lance, played by Kobe Getzug, who loves the Old West even more than he loves his boyfriend Judd, played by Barrett Riggins. He lives out his fantasy by working as a conductor and tour guide on a tourist steam train. But one day, his dreams of the West collide with danger after an encounter with a real-life outlaw, Neil, played by Liam Cronin. Ah, yes, the allure of a bad boy. In a hormone-fueled escapade, Lance chases his mystery man into the night, hoping that catching an outlaw will satisfy his constant thirst for adventure. The quick 18-minute short film takes several unexpected turns as it speeds toward an adrenaline-stoked ending. As the old adage goes, be careful what you wish for. Steam had its official premiere at the 2020 SCAD Savannah Film Festival, where it was honored as Best in Show. Writer-director Jeffrey Simon, who also penned the score, says he understands the appeal of Westerns, although, 
As a gay man, he feels he has a complicated relationship with the genre. He said in a statement, quote, I love the sexy ruggedness of the cowboy outlaw archetype, the phallic power of pistols and steam trains, but I've always felt unwelcome within the culture of masculinity perpetuated by the genre. Simon hopes that by telling a story as a musical, the film will be more inclusive to a queer audience without sacrificing what makes Westerns so exciting. After its premiere on Reverie, Steam will also be available to stream on Samsung TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Comcast Xfinity, and more. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time. 